This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, July 7th. 2021 and today we will be looking at what happened in game one of the NBA finals as Giannis returned from his knee injury but Chris Paul Devin Booker and the Suns took a 1-0 series lead on the Bucks. all of that and more as we break down the game is coming up in just a second the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knauss and Steve Alexander, who has made a notable switch. Big day, Steve. We're we're off the phone. We're not streaming on the phone. No risk of overheating today, right? You're on a computer. Yeah, I mean that's that's the idea. We'll see if it works. <laughs> I we'll feel see like if it works. Uh, see if the headphones will hold up. There's no chance. Uh, we don't need to worry about any technical issues today because. You know, there's no microphones are going to fall this time. There's no chance of your your AirPods running out of battery, which you said you barely charge before coming on here. Everything's going to be fine, I feel. I think everything's going to be just super. How are things technically dialed in on your end, Ryan? Feeling pretty pretty good about things? I feel pretty good. My, my microphone is securely on a nice, stable base. <laughs> okay. um, you good. know, backup generator running just in case my power gets knocked out. No, <laughs> I, uh, I conduct this whole thing in a Faraday shield, so no outside interference. Yeah, I'm I'm good to go on my end. Perfect, perfect. And did you check all the clamps on your microphone stand beforehand to make sure that they're securely fastened? Oh, whoops! No, no, we're, we're good there. <laughs> nice, Matt. The only part, the only part of my office that looks presentable is the part you can see. Like everything else. In my office is held together with duct tape and WD-40. <laughs> well, 
I think we're going to need a tour one of these days, but uh, we'll give yeah. you a chance to prepare before that happens. It's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about what happened in game one of the NBA Finals. It was the Suns 118, the Bucks 105. Giannis returned, as I said, after missing the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. After hyperextending that knee, he looked a lot like himself for a lot of this game, guys. He had 20 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 outrageous blocked shot on a Mikel Bridges layup. But the Suns more or less dominated this game behind 32 points, 9 assists from Chris Paul in his NBA Finals debut, which is really weird to say, Ryan. They also got 27 points from Devin Booker, 22 points, 19 rebounds from DeAndre Ayton. Ryan, what stood out to you from this one, uh, from Game 1? Oh, so many things. Uh, I guess you mentioned Giannis, and that's a good place to start. Obviously, his return was huge. He was a game-time decision, was ruled in. And to your point, I thought he looked pretty good, right? He was he was attacking, putting force on the rim. Yeah, Maybe not as, as much as usual, but that's kind of a, a hard thing to quantify. Uh, but he, he looked okay. I mean, I thought he passed the, the eye test. Uh, the, the stats were there. It's just tough. I mean, he didn't get much help from the supporting staff. There was some discussion of, you know, did his his return kind of throw off Middleton and Drew Holiday? But, you know, maybe, but that's a little bit overblown. These guys played together all season. I don't think a, a couple games without Giannis and the conference finals suddenly changed who they are and their ability to play with him. Uh, they just need to come and and look for their own shots with, with more force, get to their spots easier. I mean, Holiday was far too passive early. Middleton yeah. just didn't have it going until the second half. Giannis's jump shot again. I mean, he made the second three-pointer he took, but every time he puts up those perimeter jumpers, I'm thinking, even if they go in, the Suns have to be thrilled, right? I mean, yeah. th- they were leaving him wide open for 12 to 15-foot face-up jumpers, which he turned down just to put his back on someone and attempt a little hook shot. Like, the, the man does not want to take a jump shot. A, a glaring flaw that the Suns' defense is good enough to exploit? I don't know. Do you, do you see a, a way for Giannis around that? Should he be a jump shooter? Matter, Steve? Go ahead first, Steve. Go ahead and jump in. Well, Giannis should be a jump shooter, but not until he learns how to shoot a jump shot. I mean, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I don't think you want Giannis firing it up from the outside against the Suns. And also, how strange of a world is it that we live in when a when a Giannis messing up Chris Middleton's game results in Middleton with five triples and twenty nine points? Like, what a postseason Middleton has had. He's really turned out to be one of those guys where, you know, fantasy players, we all knew everything about Chris Middleton or a lot about Chris Middleton. Middle, like, middle America uh, probably knows who he is at this point. But yeah, I, as for Giannis, you kind of have to wonder why he didn't play in the previous game, maybe. I mean, I thought he looked that good, you know, that 20.17 boards, two steals block. I thought he looked good. So I still don't know what the Bucks are going to do to get around the Suns' defense. It just everything just feels like it's cooking, and the stars are coming together for the Suns. So I don't know what the Bucks are going to do. But then again, I thought the Hawks were going to beat the Bucks, and they proved me wrong. So yeah, well, as for Chris Middleton, I mean, it's not like he struggled. He was twelve for twenty-five for twenty-nine points, seven rebounds, four assists. I mean, you can question, you know, the efficiency of getting. 29 points on 25 shots, guys. But the guy who we mentioned who really took a hit, it seemed, and I don't know whether this was the Giannis effect or not, you can debate that, was Drew Holiday after being so spectacular in those closeout games for the Bucs against the Hawks. I mean, he averaged 26 points, 7.5 boards, 11 assists, 
and shot the ball 20 and 23 times in those final two games against the Hawks with no Giannis and fast forward to game one of the finals and he shoots it only 14 times. He's four for 14. I, I'd gotten so used to Drew Holiday drilling every perimeter jumper and he's just clanging threes in this game. I, I barely recognized the guy right. in this game because he was so dominant against the Hawks. So I would argue that he took a back seat because of Giannis a little bit because Middleton was kind of the go-to guy in a lot of ways in this game. And then there's Giannis, and I think Holiday was kind of the third option. And he now is – when Giannis was out, it was clear. Middleton, Holiday, go to work. Do your thing. You guys are the focal points. You guys have to do everything. But then it's a little more of a, a brain – of a mind game when Giannis is back. It's like Holiday is thinking, when do I shoot? Am I Am I trying to dominate? What do I do here, Ryan? And that was visible to me, I thought, watching the game. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, I mean, for sure, Holiday took the brunt of it in terms of Giannis's impact. Um, a lot of it is driving lanes and so forth, right? Suddenly, I mean, the Suns, they always talk about build the wall against Giannis, don't let him in the paint. Well, that's going to hold true for Drew Holiday. If Giannis's man is sagged off him 10 feet, uh, mm-hmm. there's just that much more resistance to penetrating and getting to the rim. So it's going to be tough for him. I, he he got to the line only once. The Bucks as a team, outside of Giannis, got four free throw attempts. That's yeah. something. I mean, they're going to need to put some pressure on Phoenix, make them work a little harder, because the Suns look looked like they had it figured out defensively. A couple breakdowns, you know, the, the Bucks tried to go big at times. They got uh, Brooke Lopez, some easy buckets. He hit a couple three-pointers, but nothing sustainable, nothing that felt like you know, they were really in position to threaten this game once the Suns took that early eight-point lead uh, in the second quarter and kind of never relinquished it despite the Bucks making a, a half-hearted push at the end. Yeah, and back to Drew Holiday for a second. He was guarding Lou Williams for a couple games and then the ghost of Trey Young in that last <laughs> game and didn't really have to work that hard on defense, which I think allowed him to kind of light it up on the other end of the court where – you know, last night he was dealing with Chris Paul. Chris Paul had another monster Chris Paul line. And, you know, Chris Paul plays defense, too. So I, it just may not be as good of a matchup for Drew. Well, and speaking of matchups, I think that segues us nicely to what the Bucks did on defense because that has been a big talking point during and in the aftermath of this game because we can talk about Drew Holiday guarding Chris Paul, but a lot of the time it was Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. Ryan, as the Bucks went into their switch mode, which really worked against the Hawks at a point. At least I think it was, what was it, game five, where they just dominated the first quarter with that switching strategy, switching one through five. But yep. it was a totally different story against the Suns. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker looked very happy to go at Brooke Lopez, who looked like he had no answer for a mid-range jumper. So what do you do? And what, what was your reaction to that, Ryan? Well, nor does he, Brooke Lopez. I mean, the you know, the Bucks joked about I think Pat Connaughton was saying his first year with the Bucks, they they referred to it as Brolo Island and and mm-hmm. all this. But I mean, you watch the guy play, he just does not have the lateral mobility, the mobility and space to stunt and recover all these things that you would need to do to be effective and play that way consistently. I thought for all the world that the Bucks had done that as a sort of novelty defense. They caught the Hawks by surprise. Right. The Hawks couldn't quite handle it. The, the Hawks adjusted and had some some wrinkles that that played better in game six. But I thought that the Bucks would go back to having their guards fight over screens, try to stick with their man if necessary switch. But to hand the Suns over and over and over matchups of Devin Booker or Chris Paul isolated against Brooke Lopez or at times Bobby Portis. I do not understand the thinking like that is a plus matchup every single time for the Suns, whether it's Booker and Paul hunting their own shots 
or just breaking things down, getting the Bucks running, and then finding an open shooter, as happened repeatedly, uh, especially when Booker had the ball, even though he himself wasn't hyper-efficient shooting. So, I mean, I would expect the Bucks to radically alter that approach. I don't think the switch works, obviously, based on game one. We might see it for short stints, kind of the way teams employ a zone defense just to throw, you know, throw a wrench in the works, but it's not a plan for success in this series. Steve, before you jump in, is everything okay back there? I noticed you were uh, well, in the background there. Yeah, I mean, this is this was once a shipperhead uh, bobblehead, and my daughter brought home this cat, our third cat. It's a kitten, actually. We're like, no, we've got enough cats. Two cats is plenty. We don't need three. So all my all my stuff is lined up on the window sill in my office, and this little new cat loves to get up there and knock Jason Hayward and. Uh, <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr. and Chipper Jones and Greg Maddox off of the wall. And usually when that happens, they break. So I had to make a decision between the podcast video and getting the cat away from my bobblehead collection. Wow, the cat does not like the bobbleheads, huh? <laughs> she, well, they're up on the windowsill and she gets up there, likes to look out the window and crawl behind them and knocks gotcha. them all off. So mm. it's more that they're in the way of the view. Yes. By the way. Yes. What was the name of that cat? Was it Pepper the cat that got that that we had that great story about a while back that got lost and found? Pepper the cat that went to Key West and came back. Yeah. Yes, and your son's <laughs> moving then. Yeah, <laughs> yes, in the U-Haul. Uh, good, good memories. Well, Ryan, the, the Bucks did kind of go back to the drop coverage later in that game. It seemed like they really didn't have an answer for Chris Paul either way. I mean, the DeAndre Ayton Chris Paul pick and roll chemistry was thriving steve Mm -hmm. you haven't even steve i'm gonna channel you and say i can't believe we've gone this far and have barely talked about deandre ayton i thought you were gonna say i can't believe we've gone this far without talking about golden tea um (laughs) yes deandre ayton uh my guy eight of ten 22 and 19 man needle moved at all zero blocks zero steals i'm sure that means the needle has moved one steal zero blocks oh he did have a steal he did have a steal no assists Mm -hmm. no blocks but, you know, that guy, that kid has really come to life in these playoffs. And he's sort of like Chris Paul is the obviously the conductor, the the isn't this something we've talked about in the past? Engineer is he the engineer or the conductor, or the conductor of the well, I, right. I would say Chris Paul is probably the engineer. I, Devin Booker's the conductor, but DeAndre Ayton, man, he's sort of like the the heart and soul of this. This team is, and he, just, is he the guy shoveling coal into the train engine in this yeah, in this he, analogy or where, where do we go? He might be more important than that, but yes, I could see okay. him shoveling. Maybe that's the engineer's job. I don't know. That might uh, be the engineer's job. We don't know anything about trains. I think that's <laughs> what is I'm a not train? Been on a train in a long time. <laughs> but DeAndre Aiden's been awesome, and really, he's had I think one non what I would call great game in these playoffs and. That's that's a lot of games that he's played really well. And I don't think anybody thought he had it in him to play this well when these playoffs started. So props to him. Did any of you guys notice? I'm pretty sure Chris Paul stole his 20th rebound in the closing seconds of the game. And if you're watching the closing seconds, oh, Chris Paul grabbed a board. And I looked like Devin Booker. Maybe they were like 
what did you just do? Like, because Aiton was right there, and Paul <laughs> kind of snatched it away from him. A meaningless rebound would have been a 2020 game in his NBA Finals debut, and I'm pretty sure the Suns knew right then and there that that was his 20th board, and, and Chris Paul snagged it from him. Vicious, vicious move by the veteran. Maybe it's he's teaching him a lesson. You know, the victory is what's <laughs> yeah. important. Don't look at your own box score. This isn't yeah. about you, DeAndre. <laughs> yeah. I'm with Steve. DeAndre Ayton just to me has has obviously not rehabbed his image, but he he's really lived up to the mantle uh, of a top draft pick and his impact defensively. I mean, we saw all season he's in the regular season. He sacrificed his offense at times, sacrificed minutes uh, for the Suns to implement their system and and gain chemistry. And now we're seeing it all really click together. His minutes are up and he is a beast. I mean, the rebounding last night was truly exceptional. Mm -hmm. The Bucks tried to go big. It didn't work simply because Aiton was out there mucking up the paint. And we've had this conversation repeatedly. I won't get deep into it again, but I still don't see like he's moved up a little bit for fantasy for me, just because I think that the Suns have to feature him more next season. But it's really those lack of supporting stats. And Steve pointed to it, just the one steal in 39 minutes in game mm-hmm. one. Until the assists and defensive stats spike, I just don't see him as more than a top 40 type guy. Yeah, we're just the DeAndre Aiden playoff tracker. His numbers in 17 games, 16 and a half points, 12 rebounds per game, 0.6 steals, 0.9 blocks. And those are the big uh, red flags for his fantasy value. Shooting 71% from the field. And I remember it was a week or two ago, I think a pregame report from Woj where he was saying, you know, Trey and Luca are going to get their max deals and DeAndre Ayton is too. And I just think it's interesting because it seems like the Suns have streamlined things to DeAndre Ayton. They're not asking him to be a star, you know, for a guy who was the number one pick in the draft. He's not expanding his game. He's not hitting threes like we thought he would. He's not taking guys off the dribble. He He's a role guy. He catches lobs, and he plays defense, and he rebounds. And it's working for him. You know what I mean? I I had a few moments in that game where I was thinking, as much as I love Clint Capella, I was jealous of that, the efficiency (laughs) of that role by DeAndre Ayton and how he finished that play. I was like, ah, man, Capella probably would have blown that one. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it's working. I think it's interesting. I don't really think he's max. He's not on the Trey Luca level even close in terms of what he does. So I think they're in an awkward spot there. It doesn't matter for fantasy purposes or real life purposes. I well, I'm just for real life purposes. You get my point. I'm rambling, but I just think it's interesting that this guy's going to get a max deal. He's playing great, but it really is a streamlined, stripped down thing that he's doing that's working so well for him. That's a good point because in today's NBA, today's fantasy world, you need to have an all around, well rounded game, and Aiton's really a classic old school big man at this point. He is. Now it's not. We're not saying that. Three years from now, he might be Joel Embiid the second or whatever. But right, you know, right now he's just well. Even before these playoffs started, he was just, in my opinion, he was like a pretty decent big man guy. He wasn't putting up these eye popping stat lines like he has in the playoffs. So since playoffs have started, it's definitely moved the needle on his real life value in the Suns' eyes. It's also locked him in as, like Ryan said, a top 40 fantasy guy. Just don't take him top 20 and you'll be okay. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because guys like Aiton's stat lines with just boards and, and points, they're not that sought after by NBA teams anymore. So it's interesting that this is happening. But I think if the Suns win 
the championship this year, they'll pay Aiton all the money that they can and not worry about it because nothing else matters once they win this thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm curious. I wonder if there is a long-term plan for him to expand his game more because he was a guy we thought can stretch the floor a little bit eventually. But clearly for this run, they are asking him to do a lot less, Ryan. Right, and I think that's a good point. I mean, if you put DeAndre Ayton on a bad team, he's suddenly going to have a much bigger role, and maybe the coaching staff is adamant that he develop a three-pointer, whereas as of right now, he hasn't attempted a three-pointer since April 10th, I believe. So it's just, as we've said, they're they're asking him to fill a narrower lane in terms of what he does on the court. But what he does, he's doing exceptionally well. He's, he's playing elite defense, elite rebounding, and scoring with elite efficiency. They don't need anything more from him, and we've seen the results. I mean, they're in the finals. They're, they're up a game in the finals. So I think it's kind of tough because it's partly just, it's not who he is as a player necessarily, that this is all he can do, and therefore this is his ceiling. Can he be a max player, et cetera? This is what is being asked of him, and he's filling that role to perfection in my view. So that's even more of a credit to him, right? He's sacrificing his personal game for the success of the team, and it's working. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Well, and how I'm switching gears here, but how psyched, I I think we've talked enough about DeAndre Aiden. How psyched are the Suns that Jay Crowder was 0 for 8, Bridges was 5 Mm. for 13, and Booker was 8 for 21, and they still easily won that that basketball game? Like, that's pretty impressive. Like, Paul and Aiden were the two guys that were sort of locked in and and dominant. The other three starters – we're just kind of there now campaign cam Johnson, both yeah. cams uh, did nice stuff off the bench in some limited minutes, but uh, mm-hmm. cam Johnson, I, I, man, I got to say, sorry, Steve, let me just jump in on cam Johnson before you finish your thought. I, I thought he was great in this game. 10 points, two threes, two steals. He's a guy who was old when the Suns took him in the lottery. He's 25 years old now. And that plan is, it looked kind of weird, right? Cause they were like a team, sort of still in rebuilding mode when they drafted this old lottery pick. But all of a sudden, 
you know, fast forward to the NBA finals, he's 25 and he's ready to go. That is like a ready-made rotation player and a really good bench guy. I'm glad you mentioned that. And general manager James Jones won executive of the year this year. And it's decisions like like that 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 put him there because that that trade raised everybody's eyebrows right when they i think they traded was it culver who they flipped on draft oh, night for johnson okay i think i think it was a, a draft pick swap and they got sarge in the deal but it, it right at the time it looked very odd why are they you know getting this guy who's a good shooter but he's old for a prospect on right. a team that's not immediately contending what is the idea here and now we're seeing i mean he's critical part of that bench unit he and campaign come in yeah and he was great last night, not just as a shooter either. Like we, we know Cam Defense. Johnson can knock down threes, but yeah, defensively, uh, good moving without the ball constantly. He had a nifty little pass to eight in that one point in late in mm-hmm. the second quarter. Just really solid all around play and uh, at a level at which a lot of players who might have gone in that range. I mean, Culver, I hope I got that trade right. But uh, what would he be doing right now? I mean, he, yeah. he's done nothing. So uh, by the way, impressive stuff. I remember speaking of when Cam uh, Johnson got drafted, they interviewed Kobe White, who played with him in college, and like told Kobe White that Cam Johnson had gone in the lottery. And he was like, what? Cam, oh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> Cam went in the lottery? <laughs> I remember I something like that, that right? Yeah. You guys remember that? that? Was it was great. a great interview. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cam Johnson and campaign with his lefty corkscrew jumper, that thing, that, depending on what angle you look, you look at that thing from, it is really something to behold. He starts it almost over his right shoulder and brings it back. That's pretty amazing. But Steve, I cut you off about three minutes ago when you were finishing a thought. So do you remember what it was? Who knows knows what stupid thing I was going to say. But maybe the Suns need to to step up their game and bring in Cam Brady from the campaign, maybe to do some pregame player introductions. Didn't Will Ferrell do that in his Jackie Moon role? I'm sure Will Ferrell would do it if he, if for, for either the right amount of money or just if he was in the right mood. I'm sure he would do it. Cam Brady from the movie <laughs> Campaign introducing Cam Johnson and Campaign. That would be fun. I would enjoy that. <laughs> I would enjoy that quite a bit. Come on to something. Dario Saric got injured, hurt his right knee. It did not look great there. That resulted in Frank Kaminsky coming to the game for four minutes, which uh, would be scary for Milwaukee if they had to play Kaminsky in in Saric's minutes. That's really the only thing I can kind of... I mean, and not to say I've written off Milwaukee, as we kind of maybe spin this forward to game two. Ryan, what adjustments do you think Milwaukee can make? Do you give Milwaukee a shot in this series? I, I don't rule Milwaukee out because they lost game one to the Hawks and still won that series. I think the Bucks can still do this, but I do think it's pretty clear the Suns have an advantage in a lot of areas. For sure. I mean, the the Bucks have a lot of stuff to fix. Uh, we mentioned the the switching one through five defensively. I think that needs to be jettisoned immediately unless it's coming out just for short stints. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, of course, I mean, the Bucks have proven they have a lot of weapons. And we saw in game one, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday combined for 39 points on 38 shots. That's deeply inefficient combined. Yeah. As I said, they got to the line twice, uh, two two shots, one one trip to the line. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of room for growth, right? The Bucks shot well from deep, but they, they also turned the ball over 13 times, shot nine of 16 from the line. As I said, nobody but Giannis even got there, really. So I think if they shore up, the defense is going to be number one. They can still put the ball in the hoop, even if Middleton or, or Holiday is having an off night. I don't think they can survive both, 
But defensively, they need to find a way to slow down. I mean, Chris Paul in the third quarter just put on an absolute clinic. And I don't know that the Bucs have the answer for him, especially if if Brooke Lopez playing a ton of minutes is going to be a big part of that. But yeah, I mean, there's no simple answers, trust me, or, or Budenholzer would have rolled him out in game one. <laughs> one thing I will say is I feel like some of us, probably mostly me, kind of disrespected Coach Bud. Uh, coming into that Hawks series, and I've been pretty impressed with his ability to make adjustments. And, you know, we saw that game where Brooke Lopez came out and dominated in the paint like he hadn't done in three years. And that was something that we hadn't seen Brooke Lopez even attempt to do all year. He was just a mostly a three-point shooter. The whole defensive schemes against the Hawks, I thought he made good adjustments there. I, I feel like Coach Bud is going to make some adjustments here and and make game two at least a better game for them. Uh, if Crowder and Devin Booker get hot, I, I don't know how I don't know how the, the Bucks are gonna beat them, but it would help if Drew Holiday looks a lot better in game two. So I don't yeah. know. I'm looking forward to it. It it should be should still be a good series. I just I just feel like this is the Suns ride, man. I'm glad you mentioned Holiday because it comes to, I mean, I mentioned Chris Paul going nuts. He shot 12 of 19 and the defensive against him struggling. Drew Holiday is a first team all defensive player who needs to be fighting over screens. He needs to be attached to Chris Paul. I mean, they shouldn't even have to trap him to at least slow him down a little bit. Holiday needs to lock in, especially if he's not contributing anything offensively. There's no excuse for allowing Chris Paul to run that free. So uh, I think he in particular needs to step up on both ends of the court. The Bucks are not going to survive if Drew Holiday, a guy who just signed a massive contract to stick around and be a huge part of this team going forward, is going to play like he did in game one versus what he was playing like without Giannis against the Hawks. The Bucks need another guy in their starting lineup to play well because we know their bench. They're, look, Bobby Portis, yeah, he can get hot off the bench, so maybe he can be that next guy. But Connaughton, Teague, those guys aren't scaring you so someone else in that lineup has to play well brooke lopez had 17 points in 23 minutes they just need the volume like where is the volume of their points going to come from the suns have so many more ways to beat you the bucks only have so many avenues to beat you it's their big three guys maybe bobby portis maybe brooke lopez but if one of those guys is playing badly it's a problem in a hurry so holiday didn't play well in game one they really need all three of those guys playing well at the same time their big three to win unless you know, they're going to feature Brooke Lopez more, you know? So I don't even think it's that complicated. You mentioned the defense. I think the Bucks' offense, hmm. they've got to get it going too. Well, I, to your point, I don't know who's going to score for them because P.J. Tucker's not. Like, P.J. Tucker on a, his best night is going to be 13 points. Like, that's that's it. When was the last time P.J. Tucker had 13 points? I'm going to... Max, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's, that's going to be his big night if he even does that. He did that in the postseason, man. He did. All right. Uh, but Giannis Middleton and Drew Holiday, like those three guys. And then it's Brooke Lopez and maybe Pat Connaughton. Like that's, I don't, I'm starting to wonder how, how they beat the Hawks, but that's another, that's another story for another, <laughs> for another day. <laughs> All those guys were balling against the Hawks. Holiday, Middleton, Portis was playing great. Lopez was killing the Hawks. Like they had guys rolling and, I mean, the, the Suns are a better defensive team than the Hawks are. The, the Hawks' defense yes. got better over the course of the oh, season, yeah. but the Suns are a better defensive team. I don't think there's much debate there. Right. 
even starting with, I mean, Holiday lighting up the Hawks. Trey, Trey's defense was part of that for sure. Uh, but the Bucks bench was actually pretty good in game one. I thought they they hit their open threes. They did basically what you would want a bench unit no. to come in and do. Right. Good for them. What's that? Still not amazing for the good for them. It was good for them. They were good for them. It wasn't good for the world. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, right. Good for them. And then just yeah, silence. I Ryan mean- and I are like, wait, are we supposed to say something? What is going on? What is that comment? I didn't mean good for them. Like, oh, great. Good for them. No, I meant they were good for them. By their standards, they were good. Yes, yes, I see. None of those guys are going to come in and give you 15, 18 points. You know, none of those guys scare you like Cam Johnson does. No, right. But that it puts all the more pressure on their starters to really come through. And that, and that right. you know, can they overcome an off night from even one of their big three of, of holidays? Huh? And actually, the four guys that played off the bench for the Bucks, they all shot the ball very well. And did exactly what they were supposed to do, like you said, Ryan. I, I don't know why I'm reiterating Ryan's point. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> Let them eat cake. By the way, I'm done. Jeff Teague hit three for three three pointers in the last game against the Hawks. He hit his first three in this series and then couldn't see the floor again. That was a little strange. And I was texting with some Bucks fan friends who were like, uh, what can we get Teague back on the floor? Which is a weird thing to say at this point in Teague's career, but it just highlights how much of an issue the Bucks bench is. I mean they don't have a lot of places to turn there. And Bobby Portis wasn't great in this game, but I'm a little surprised he only got 14 minutes, to be honest with you, as good as he was in those closeout games against the Hawks. Yeah, he seemed to struggle defensively. I would assume it's the same issue for Teague because he can give you some dribble penetration. Obviously, he's been hitting his threes recently. Uh, my assumption is that he was taken off the court for defensive purposes, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure... I- I mean, they're going to need some of these guys to come up. Like Pat Connaughton is not going to save the Bucks with no. with a 25-point game off the bench, right? It's going to take a mob mentality, or they're going to have to find someone like like Bobby Portis to chip in 15 a night and really consistently make an impact. Yeah, or just, I mean, another Bucks fan friend of mine was basically like, feed Brooke Lopez in the post. As I said, he had 17 points in 23 minutes. I mean, hmm. the Suns have a big guy on the floor most of the game, so... I don't know. I think Lopez could have been more involved as well. Where'd you find all these Bucks friends? I don't know. I have a couple friends from growing up who are randomly uh, who have Wisconsin roots. So okay. that's my. Those all are my right. sources. I thought maybe you'd been you had a summer house in the Dells or something. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. All right, guys. Anything before we get out of here from either of you? Roth has not asked me for his address yet. Should I be worried? No, you you can ask him too. Right, he needs to put something in the mail. It's on him, is what you're saying. I still owe Ryan a Lou Dort jersey. We haven't exchanged information yet either. Oh yes, I will get back to you on that. Yeah, a jersey is going to be floating. Steve, you owe me one too. I got to give you a a name and a size. Is there a way we can do this so we all just buy ourselves a jersey and save the <laughs> shipping charges? I don't. I don't know anybody a jersey, so we're uh, yeah. Well, that's the problem. We got to get Ryan to. Uh, we got to get it, Ryan to take an L. So we got to figure that out. Well, maybe I should just have Ruff send mine to you, and then that no. would that would take me out of the. No, you got to read the fine print. There's no takes me out of the equation. Jersey bets are non-transferable. Don't worry, guys. I'll work up a spreadsheet. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah, Ryan, can you put a spreadsheet together and send that out later today? I'm I'm on it. 
All right, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Friday to review what happened exactly in Game 2. want to say thanks to everyone listening on the podcast and watching us live on YouTube. Brian, Steve, thanks to both of you. We'll see you on Friday. Bye. See you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, my charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.